0: I always enjoy my conversations with this guy because he's always in a great mood. He is an author, columnist. You can find his work at the National Review Online. He writes the incredible zero-star reviews on social media, looking at the uh, the inaccuracy and stupidity of people who review performance arts and movies and TV. And also his newest venture, one of his newest ventures, he's got many fifty years of SNL podcast, which is tremendous. Looking at all fifty years of that iconic. Show on NBC. Christian Snyder joins us on the Tri County Contracting Hotline. Good morning, Christian. Uh, good morning. How are you? I don't think I missed anything there. What? What is? Oh, connoisseur of fine liqueurs, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's go with
0: that. <laughs> All right. So I, I we always go back and forth on what we're going to talk about, but I love the fact that you just wrote about this for National Review, and it has to do with well, I would say security, safety, privacy. And you talked about the the rise of artificial intelligence, facial recognition, and I guess not surprisingly, from a conservative perspective, you are you are issuing a cautionary tale. Explain.
1: Yeah. So at some point, we're going to have to make a decision uh, between security and privacy because um, AI, intelligence, facial recognition tel- technology, all those things. Uh, are making sure that we are basically on the grid at all at all times now because you know cameras are really cheap everybody's got a camera in their pocket there are cameras uh on every street corner now uh and there's really no way that you can get away and it's it's fine uh if you you know you need security cameras uh in order to if something goes wrong But the way AI is developing now with facial recognition technology is you know you can see somebody's face uh take a picture of them and immediately know everything about them where they live uh, what websites they they visit who they follow on social media and all those things and it's going to be a very different world at some point when all the stuff gets integrated I mean Facial recognition technology, I mean, we all have it on our phones. It unlocks our phone, and, you know, there's no problem with that. But when it's linked up to these national databases of photos, of billions of photos, and uh, you can be tracked everywhere, then it's going to be really be a problem.
0: So, okay, let me just argue the other side. So in in your article, you referenced the fact that they tracked down a serial murderer and rapist because of this technology. so wouldn't that mean it works?
1: <laughs> <laughs> that, that is true so uh, this is the the Golden State killer who had spent I think four decades on the lamb and nobody ever nobody ever caught him uh, and they found him because basically they they took a, a DNA swab from uh, his car door handle when he was running into a store and they tracked that through a publicly available database found out that his DNA matched some of the DNA at these crime scenes that had gone back four decades, and, uh, and they were able to catch him. And, yes, the world is better off because this man is now behind bars. But if this was just limited to police operations, that would be one thing. But the people that are developing this technology are not the government or the police. It's private companies that are, that are doing this, and so, yes, while it has important value to police officers and to law enforcement, it's going to be everywhere. You're going to be, you know, if you walk down the street and brush your hand against some something, people are going to be able to to tell that's you. Uh, be able to do a test, and and you know, I'm sounding like the uh, like the Unabomber, the anti-technology <laughs> guy, but uh, we're all going to be on the grid at all at all times. And uh, I don't
0: think that's necessarily a good thing. Christian Snyder joining us on WTMG. Now, I, you know, I used the most extreme example because you cited it in your article. But for, for the privacy side of things, it is concerning that literally, and this is just now with the, the current state of all this technology, and it, as we know with technology, it advances exponentially. In 10 years, you literally will not be able to go anywhere without someone knowing, whether that's government, police, whatever, where you're at, And even in some cases, what you're doing if you're in a retail or a public location,
1: right? The government right now is looking at uh, starting a a CBDC, which is essentially a digital dollar. uh, In so, you have cash, which is anonymous, and you can go spend cash on you know whatever you want. But with a CBDC, it's basically digital money, so the government knows what you're spending your money on at all times, and. It could presumably limit what you're spending your money on. If you're buying too much in fine spirits, <laughs> in liquor, uh, the government could sh- shut off your hey. money supply. If you, uh, you know, normally if you had a, a shoebox full of cash under your bed that you're saving for a rainy day, if the government decides uh, you're under investigation for something, it could make that shoebox disappear completely. Uh, your money would have no value. So. Uh, there are a lot of ways that you're going to be on the grid. I mean, we we have to decide whether it's more important for us to have privacy or to be safe because, I mean, there's technology that exists right now that, you know, you could put something in somebody's car that says, uh, you know, you immediately get a ticket if you go over the uh, the posted speed limit. Yeah. Or uh, a, a police officer can cut the engine on your car whenever they want. Or in Washington D.C., they got sick of how many cars were being stolen, so now they're just handing out these Apple tags to people, so you can you can tag your car and find find it when it inevitably gets stolen. So, um, you know, they're they're leaning more and more on on this type of technology, and it's going to mean few less, far less uh, privacy uh, for all of us.
0: I'm always fascinated by the political implications of this stuff. Is there a
1: well, the left thinks
0: this is okay, and then the right thinks this is horrible. Or is it not that simple?
1: I think this is a lot, a lot muddier. I think uh, you know surveillance is is popular in in some aspects. I mean, this is why you know on campus they have these uh, surveillance uh, systems set up where where students are encouraged to report on one another if anybody says any, anything uh, you know that offends somebody else. Um, but then on the right, I would think that a lot of, you know, law enforcement would be for, yeah, well, we need more law enforcement. We can effectively eliminate crime if everybody is tracked doing, you know, whatever they want. So, um, I think it's muddier. I don't think it's a left-right issue. I just think it's more of a – and, you know, the ACLU is on a lot of this personal privacy stuff. Mm-hmm. They're, they're on the same side I am, and I'm not on their side on a lot of stuff. So it is a, it is kind of a mixed bag.
0: Yeah, and even generationally, I know you cite a, a survey, a recent survey taken by the Cato Institute that says 30% of Gen Zers, people under mm-hmm. age of 30, support – I'm reading it right from the story – the the government's installation of video cameras in people's homes to reduce domestic violence, abuse, and other illegal activity. That's really taken it inside a home. I I, I would guess that most reasonable people would say that goes too far, but the survey says quite a number of people, 30% of Gen Zers, say that's just fine with them. That's concerning.
1: Right. I mean, to people who have grown up, without being surveilled at all times that sounds horrifying but you know young people have now grown up entirely in a a year in an era where people have phones in their pockets and they not only expect to be filmed at all times they sometimes want to be filmed at all times so they can post it on social media and get all the attention that they want so um they are very comfortable with this and so it's no surprise that they would want cameras in people's homes for, for the police to be able to to watch you while you're in your house.
0: It's like uh, precog minority, minority report stuff. Uh, any idea or thoughts about what is going to get in the way of this? I think the biggest one I would say is probably um, international influence on some of this technology and the concerns that they can see what we're doing. And uh, that would probably be the roadblock that I would see put in that way of all of this technology.
1: Right. That was actually one of the things that happened during the the pandemic is everything started to happen online. Work started to to happen online. School started to happen online. And so you have basically Zoom recordings of everything that's going on. And, you know, there are other governments like the Chinese government who are watching Chinese students in the U.S. and taking note of some of the things that they're saying. If they're speaking ill of the Chinese government, Then sometimes you know they'll get a visit, if they have, if the student has a family in China, they'll get a visit from the Chinese uh, government. Wow. Something on a Zoom. I mean, it's getting it's getting really scary out there. So, um, Mm. and you know, the U.S. government, there's only so much we can do because a lot of this technology is being researched and built by private companies, and so, um, and it moves faster than government. Yeah, faster than we can control it. All
0: right. Speaking of people liking to record themselves, there's a new growing segment of the, uh, the online community, the, the world of social media and beyond pay for this opportunity to have sort of infamous people, famous people in some cases, record things. Well, the most re- recent example of that is, of course, George Santos. We'll discuss that with Christian Snyder after this on WTMJ now next. We are talking with our friend, friend of the show, Christian Sider, author, columnist. Uh, he had the latest piece in National Review Online. You can check out on uh, facial recognition, all the digital technologies that are changing the way all of us can move around in this country, but more importantly, how they can detect where we're moving around. I wanted to talk about technology, and, and really, uh, Christian, this is sort of the uh, the expected new wave of how disgraced politicians, the knuckleheads who are in office sometimes and are really more interested in the, uh, the, uh, the famousness of that office rather than getting the people's work done. No more famous than George Santos, but uh, he's now selling uh, cameo videos of himself. Is this just the new reality that these folks, they're disgraced, they're, they're charged, potentially convicted in his case. but yet they're going to make money on this stuff?
1: Getting uh, famous uh one of them is to actually have talent but <laughs> as we all know that's that's actually pretty difficult so more and more people are are finding a way uh a step step ladder to to fame through politics and george santos is definitely one of them you know he, he basically is a total fraud he lied his way into congress uh got thrown out and now he's going to make a pretty good living for himself Doing cameos, doing interviews. Uh, you know, he's going to end up on Dancing with the Stars at some point. I would bet. Please He'll tell me. Please TV tell show. me
0: that's a stretch and that's going to happen.
1: <laughs> I mean, look, there are disgraced politicians. Tom Delay. Yeah. Uh, remember, and he was a speaker, and he had trouble, and he uh, he ended up on Dancing with the Stars. Uh, this is something people do. Rod Blagojevich, remember him? Oh yeah. I'm like yeah. governor. He have hair
0: uh, and and his his big hairstyle.
1: Right, he, uh, you know, he goes to prison, gets out, and then he ends up on Donald Trump's show, Celebrity Apprentice, and tries to make a whole uh, a whole reality show future for himself there. I mean, he's he's been on other reality shows too. So this is basically what's going to happen in Congress now, where you have your Marjorie Taylor Greens and your Lauren Boberts and you know your, these people. Who are unserious, they get to Congress, uh, they already think they're on a reality show, and they try to make it about themselves. Then when they're gone, they, they try to get a show after that. Um, and it's just bad news for everybody. I don't think George Santos, the whole thing, he's ridiculous, but I don't think the whole thing is funny because, I mean, Congress is supposed to do some pretty serious things. Yeah, you would think. <laughs> um, but what, now... what, what gets in the way of this, though? I
0: mean, it seems to be that you can almost do anything, literally anything as Donald Trump famously said, he could shoot somebody and get away with it. I mean, and then benefit as a result of that.
1: Yeah. I mean, there, there are just so many digital platforms now and, you know, uh, digital channels on TV that they have all the space to fill. And it seems like people want to fill that with these scandal ridden politicians and turn them into heroes. And, you uh, you know, a lot of a lot of channels are filling their airwaves with George Santos. In the grand scheme of things, George Santos is not important at all. <laughs> I mean, uh, but he's fun, he's crazy, he's a lunatic, and so everybody wants to now turn him into a, a hero of some kind. And the more this happens, the more we're going to see it happen. There are going to be – this is not the last George Santos. You're going to see more people – trying to, you know, game the system for fame through electoral politics. I mean, you already see it on you know, people using school board meetings and things and they show up and they start yelling and uh try to make their their name that way, um try to, you know, be the the viral person of the day, people using governmental uh, you know, instruments of government to try to make make names for themselves. But Uh, Yeah, it's really bad now.
0: From the 40,000-foot level, what does it say about us, our culture, even if you want to get into the government part of this, the leadership side? What does it say about us, big picture?
1: I think people saw that government wasn't addressing their needs, and so they figured, well, if Congress isn't going to do anything for me, if the presidency isn't going to do anything for me, let's at least make it entertaining <laughs> <laughs> let's get let's some uh. chuckles out of the deal and so now congress has just become you know another arm of entertainment just like anything else and they, they can't get anything serious done.
0: christian Slater our guest uh before we let you go i want to talk a little bit about your 50 years of snl it's a great podcast that you are a co-host on and uh one it's an incredible endeavor because you're going through and watching every episode of all, all of these years and what season are you in now
1: uh, we're just watching season 13, which is actually a uh, strike-shortened season, so there are only 13 episodes, but uh, we're just in the years where uh, new cast members named Dana Carvey and Phil Hartman joined the cast and uh, mm-hmm. completely turned the show around. It's Yeah, they saved the show, right? The show. Well, they, this seems to happen every couple of years. You know, somebody saves the show. Eddie Murphy saves the show. Then Billy Crystal and Martin Short save the show, and... Um, you know, it has its downtime, so everybody thinks it's going to get canceled. And then they rejuvenate themselves with uh, with a couple new classic uh, cast members.
0: Beyond just the element of watching all of these episodes and the cast members, what is, in your 13 seasons so far, what is your takeaway about the cultural significance of SNL or a big, big point
1: about that show? Uh, I mean, it... What I think we, we've seen the most is uh, the politics of the show uh, start to change a little bit. Uh, there were there was kind of a dead spot in the middle where Dick Ebersall was uh, the executive producer, and he didn't want any politics on the show because it turned people off. But I think uh, getting into the you know, 11th, 12th, 13th season, you're starting to see a lot more politics. Dennis Miller has taken over as weekend updates, uh, Host, and he's obviously very smart, very very into politics, and so just sort of the way that the show influences politics. Dana Carvey is just now starting to do his George uh, George H. W. Bush Mm. impersonation. like literally last night, I just watched the the very first one he did, and it's it's far from what it'll end up being. Um, But it's kind of it's kind of cool seeing stuff like that. uh, You know the way it. It changes over time.
0: Not to give away your thoughts about the newest version of SNL, which has been running currently. Um, Where's the show at in your mind, real quick?
1: Weekend Update, I think, is actually very good. This is one of my hot takes where I think the kind of the news show in the middle of the show is as good as it's ever been. Um, I, I think it's actually pretty good. Watching some of the older seasons where some of the shows aren't as good we'll give you an appreciation for kind of how professional they are right now. Obviously a couple of weeks ago, they did that cold open with the, the university presidents. That yeah. was missed. Awful.
0: Missed the point completely. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, it was completely tin eared, but you know, they're so professional now. I think they, they have a lot of people that have, you know, kind of know what they're doing now. And so I think the show is actually pretty good. There are plenty of duds. I thought this season, this last week was kind of a dud, but I think it's definitely still worth watching.
0: If folks want to find out your great work on the podcast on SNL, how can they find it?
1: Uh, they can go to wasn't that special dot uh, That's wasn't that special Or they can go to a Twitter X, whatever it is now, uh, at fifty years of SNL.
0: Always appreciate the conversations. Look look forward to a lot more politics and beyond next year with the author and comments. Chris Studter, have a great holiday season. You too, thanks. Absolutely.